And uh, we welcome you to our Wednesday night uh, study of the scriptures, our Bible study. Uh, We're so grateful to have each and every person here. Uh, This, of course, is kind of a unique night uh, in the sense that we are just a few days from Christmas. And, um, and, uh, you know, we knew that there would be some already immersed in their uh, planning for the season. But we're grateful that you have come out tonight to hear the word of the Lord. And so we're going to look into the word of the Lord this evening. And uh, I just want to talk to you a little bit, of course, about the uh, true meaning of Christmas. And, uh, and we want to make sure that we keep that front and center in our minds. Uh, this, of course, is a, in many ways, a hotly debated topic. I, I do want to say a thank you to everyone for your prayers uh, I had such a uh, very unusual set of circumstances over the weekend, and uh, uh, my back just completely gave out on me and, and decided to, to go into uh, spasms for a couple days, and uh, I thank the Lord for our strong ministry team and Brother Tierney ministering the word of the Lord, and, and uh, I was able to slip into the back Sunday night and see the outstanding Christmas musical. How many enjoyed that outstanding Christmas musical? Amen. And uh, thank the Lord for that, Sister Tierney, and the, the team did such a wonderful job, and uh, we're just grateful for that. Uh, but I am so thankful for the prayers of the saints of God. I truly felt those prayers and felt uplifted by those prayers and felt a healing touch in my body. And, and the second half of today, I have felt just much better. And uh, I'm grateful for that. It has, uh, with, each, with each day, there has been slow improvement. And uh, this latter part of today has just really been exceptionally good improvement, and I'm grateful to the Lord for that. So thank you for your prayers and for your understanding. I, um, I never had to miss a Sunday morning due to physical ailment and uh, that I can recall, and so I hated to have to do that, but I know that the Lord was here. Amen. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. And the Word of the Lord went forth powerfully, and I'm grateful for that. Thank the Lord. We're going to look tonight into the true meaning of Christmas. we don't want to uh, take uh, too much of your time, but we want to take enough time that we can understand something from the Word of the Lord. Uh, much debate about the celebration of Christmas. Uh, people uh, trying to determine how much of it they'll celebrate and what exactly they will celebrate. There, of course, is the continual uh, competition between commercialism and uh, and then, of course, keeping uh, Christ, the center, uh, nothing is nothing is more unnerving than to see the word Xmas. Just don't like that one bit. Uh, you know, if you're going to take uh, any part of it out, take the last part of it out, and and keep that that very wonderful word Christ as the central focus. That word Christ is a special word. It means the Anointed One. It means Messiah. And that, that Christ, that anointed one, that Messiah, was long foretold by the Hebrew prophets that he would come to be the king that would, in fact, set up his kingdom and deliver Israel and deliver uh, the people of God into the kingdom of God. 
restore humanity, restore mankind back to uh, man's original place of communion with the Lord. And so this was long foretold uh, by the Hebrew prophets. And one of the great, some would call Christmas scriptures, Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, his name shall be called Counselor, his name shall be called the Mighty God, his name shall be called the Everlasting Father, his name shall be called the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end but upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it, to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. These are words spoken by the prophet Isaiah to the Hebrew people to resonate in their ears that there is coming one who will make all things new. Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, verse 13. Let's start there. Verse 13, he said, Hear ye now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Hallelujah, which we know means God with us. From the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 1, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. But thou, Bethlehem Ephratah, though thou be little among the nations, the thousands of Judah, Yet out of thee shall he come forth unto you that is to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth have been from of old from everlasting. Hallelujah. The scriptures are replete with one prophecy after another that the Lord himself will come into this earth as the holy Messiah, as the holy Christ, the one who will Bring to Israel the great promises that the Lord has, has made to them. And of course, Psalm 113, verse 1. Praise ye the Lord. Praise, O ye servants of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. From the rising of the sun unto the going down of the same, the name of the Lord is to be praised. The Lord is high above all nations, and His glory above the heathens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth Himself to behold the things that are in heaven and are in earth? Notice what He said there. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth. This was so contrary to any of the heathen gods 
that people were accustomed to being taught about or told about. Nobody had ever heard about a God who humbled himself. They only heard about gods who were so majestic and so magnificent and and all of these mythological stories about various gods. But the God of Israel was a God who not only dwelt on high, but a God who humbled himself to behold the things in heaven and in the earth. And the scripture says in verse 7, He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. He lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he may set him with princes, even with the princes of his people. He maketh the barren women to keep house and to be a joyful mother of children. Praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. And, and on and on, one prophet after another, be it David or Isaiah or Zechariah or Micah or Jeremiah, just one after another, Moses, they would stand and declare that the Messiah is coming. As a matter of fact, Hebrews chapter 11 states that Moses endured as seeing him who is invisible. This is how he endured. This is how he stood the test of his, of his time, how he made, th- made it through various trials of his life. He endured as seeing him who is invisible. That's a reference to the Messiah, the one that he'd heard about but had never seen, the one that he'd been taught about but he had never seen. And he was able to make it through the test and the tribulation of life by seeing him with eyes of faith. And so it is no wonder then that when the wise men saw his star in the east, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. It is no wonder then while shepherds watched their flocks by night and there appeared unto them uh, angels. The scripture says the angel of the Lord appeared unto them and began to speak to them saying in the city of David this day is born unto you a savior. And then the scripture says that the heavenly host appeared. So one angel wasn't enough. When they saw the one angel that was pretty amazing. But then the whole host of heaven appeared behind those angels and they did not sing as contrary to what what we, what we have heard. And the Christmas carol, of course, says it correctly. The first Noel, the angels did say. They didn't sing, ironically. And here's just a little something that may explain that. Lucifer was the son of the morning. And he was the one who, that, that uh, had music that moved and operated. When he moved, music was made. He was cast out of heaven and a third of the angels with him. There's no record of any song in heaven after Lucifer was cast out. But oh, there's going to be a song when the saints go marching in. Hallelujah. There's going to be a song when the people of God arrive in their white robes of splendor and are able to say, he brought me, hallelujah, from a mighty long way. And they'll sing the song of the redeemed. They'll sing the song of the redeemed. That's why the scripture teaches us to sing unto the Lord a new song. 
praise his name because it's that beautiful song that only the redeemed of the Lord can sing. Not everybody can sing that song, but somebody who sings that song that he brought me out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon the rock to stay and he put a song in my soul to stay, a song of his praise, hallelujah. Folks, that's a song worth singing and when you have experienced it, you can sing it with conviction and have a testimony, hallelujah, in your life. And so, so this is, this is, this was a, a great experience. And the angels appeared to those shepherds and said, unto you this day is born in the city of David, a savior, which is Christ the Lord. And the heavenly host appeared behind them and the whole heavenly host began to say, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. How many want peace and goodwill toward men? How many want, how many want to see that? Amen. Can I tell you, we're not alone. Everybody in their heart of hearts would love for there to be peace and goodwill toward men. Some try to achieve it through awful means, but they, they down deep inside, everybody wants to live in peace unless there's a, a wicked spirit, a, a violent spirit that's gotten a hold of them. But, but if, you, if you are reasonable in your thinking, then everybody wants peace. Everybody wants goodwill. But notice the order. The order is glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. You can't have peace, goodwill toward men until you give glory to God in the highest. Our world will never achieve peace or goodwill toward men until they give glory to God in the highest. So you know what that means? That means we have to keep giving him glory until all of the earth is singing his praises. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus came to do. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Amen. So, so this is a beautiful thing. Somebody said, well, the early church didn't really celebrate the birth of Christ. And there is no necessarily, uh, uh, you know, they didn't necessarily have Christmas parties. And you, you, we don't see any place where they, you know, hung garlands and wreaths and, you know, necessarily. But, but what, they, what they did do was they celebrated that holy child Jesus. What they did do was they celebrated his entrance into this world. And that's what we celebrate. We celebrate that God himself, the only wise God and Savior of all mankind, hallelujah, the one living God of Israel, who is above all and through all and in you all, he stepped down into this world to form himself into the form of man and thought it not robbery to be equal with God. And he paid the penalty for each and every one of our sins. Hallelujah. When that angel first appeared to Mary, he said, uh, Blessed art thou and highly favored among women. That's quite a compliment. Blessed art thou and highly favored among women. And he said that you shall, the Holy Ghost shall overshadow you and you shall bring forth a child. This was the fulfillment of Isaiah 7, 14. And you shall call his name uh, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. He appeared to Joseph the same angel and said, Joseph, listen, I just got done talking to Mary and I want to tell you that, that, that she's true to you. She's a pure spirit. She's a pure person and not to be worried. That which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. 
Hallelujah. And, and, and this child that will be born from Mary is going to be the son of the living God, the only begotten son of the living God. Hallelujah. And so the angel of the Lord began to appear to various ones. He did to Zacharias, who was John the Baptist's father. This was several months prior. And John the Baptist was going to be born by way of a miracle. And he would, uh, he would be the forerunner to Jesus Christ. It was an elaborate plan of God. Hallelujah. And we celebrate it. And we can't let that be lost. And yet, it is lost The script, in many ways. The scripture says in John chapter 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. Without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He was not that light. But he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light. That lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He came into the world. And the world knew him not. He came unto his own. And this is important. His own received him not. I'm going to say that again. He came unto the world. And the world knew him not. But he came unto his own. It does not say in John chapter 1. That his own did not know him. It says that his own did not receive him. He came unto the world, and the world had no idea who this man was. But when he came unto his own, his own being the Jews were perfectly familiar with who he was because he was clearly described by the prophets of the Old Testament. They could quote scriptures that bore testimony to the life of Jesus Christ. As depicted in the Old Testament. The problem was that they were prepared for a kingdom Messiah. But their hearts were not prepared for a suffering Messiah. And this Messiah was going to come and make all things new. He was going to fulfill an old covenant. And issue in a new covenant. And they were, they were holding on to the old covenant with a vice grip. And we're not willing to let the old go so that the new could be beautifully ushered into their lives. And so he came unto his own and his own received him not. But there were some who received him. And to as many as received him, to them gave he power. Hallelujah. Those ones who received him were those 12 apostles of the Lamb. Hallelujah. And in the upper room, 120 people received power. After that, the Holy Ghost came upon them. Thank you, Jesus. They received him unto themselves. These were Jewish people who knew that his life was depicted by Abraham. It was depicted by Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses and Joshua and on and on through the scriptures. The prophets foretold that he was coming and when they saw his life play out in front of their eyes, they said, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. They received him and to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That's why, that's why when you see the disciples in the gospel accounts of Jesus' life, they are actually a hindrance to his ministry. 
I mean, they're not helpful to him at all. They're, the children try to get close to him, and they come throwing the kids off of him, saying, why trouble the master? And, and the Syrophoenician woman comes after him, saying, Lord, I have a daughter grievously vexed with the devil. And they come saying, get away, Lord, can't we just insult her and send her home? And, and one after another, they are a hindrance to what he's trying to do. He had to send them all out for lunch so he could minister to the woman at the well in Samaria. Uh, they criticized him in their thoughts when the woman broke open the alabaster box and poured out the oil upon his feet. They said if he knew what kind of woman this was, he'd have nothing to do with her. They had ought against him in their heart. They questioned everything that he did. They questioned his motive. They questioned his wisdom. The disciples were, he was dragging them along through his gospel accounts. But when they received power after that the holy ghost came upon them they ceased to be a hindrance to the work of god and they became a conduit of the work of god and now their shadow was falling on people and healing them and now and now handkerchiefs and aprons were taken from their bodies and they were being healed and now they were looking upon lame men at the gate called beautiful saying rise take up thy bed and walk just as jesus did the miracles of god were multiplied by the hands of the apostles Many miracles, signs, and wonders were wrought by the hands of the apostles. Because to as many as received him, to them gave he power. Hallelujah. To become sons of God. Being, being a son of God isn't just a title. Being a son of God, there is demonstration involved in that. Being a son of God means that there is authority with God. And there's authority over the principalities of this earth. And though those apostles demonstrated that authority. And so we have to understand that, that this is a revelation of Christ. This is the revelation of God. This is the mystery of the Gentiles that is revealed in Jesus Christ. It's not the mystery of the Jews because the Jews understood it from the Old Testament. They, they have rejected it uh, by and large. There are many that have received it, but as a whole, they rejected it and proceeded to crucify their Lord and Savior. And Peter preached on the day of Pentecost to his fellow uh, Jewish brethren and said, you have taken him by wicked hands, crucified him and slain him. All of that was foretold. All of that was prophesied. Isaiah went through painstaking detail how the crucifixion of Jesus Christ was going to occur. All of that was depicted in the Old Testament and foretold by the Old Testament prophets. And when the time came, it happened just as the prophets said that it would happen. And so the, the Jewish people have had a hard time receiving Jesus as Christ. They don't have a hard time with the message of Christ because they still hold on to the hope of a Messiah who is coming. What they don't realize is that he has come and he's coming again. When you go to Israel and you see the, the Orthodox rabbis uh, crowding into the corner of the wailing wall because they are trying to get as close to the spot where the Holy of Holies once stood. It is a moving experience because of the dedication and the, and the heart cry of these uh, rabbis. They're, they're, 
they are uh, moving back and forth, moving their torsos back and forth and wailing at the wailing wall, crying out for Messiah to come, Messiah come, Messiah come. And everything in you wants to stand up in the middle and say, he's here. He is Jesus, the Christ, the Lord of glory. Hallelujah. And, and so, but, but the Bible refers to the coming of Christ as the mystery of the Gentiles. It was a mystery to the Gentiles. The Gentiles had no understanding of who this was. The Gent, this was all foreign to the Gentile mind. In the scriptures, there are two types of people, Jews and everybody else. Everybody else are called Gentiles. So you and I fall into the category of everybody else. And so... So the Jews were chosen of God because of Abraham's relationship with God. And the Lord promised covenantal relationship with Abraham and his children and his children's children's children. And they had covenantal relationship. And he brought himself to them first. The scripture says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first. And also to the Greek, which is a reference to Gentiles. And, and so, so it was brought to the Jew first. As we've discussed, the Jews rejected him by crucifying him and continued to wait for their long-awaited Messiah. So you fast forward a couple thousand years to 2017, and here we are as the church of the living God brought out of darkness placed into his marvelous light, washed by the blood of the Lamb, sanctified by the Spirit of God. We've come through the fire and the fire couldn't burn us. Come through the storm and the wind couldn't turn us. The church triumphant and it's built by the hand of the Lord. I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation. Built on a rock on a firm foundation. Hallelujah. Been through the flood and been through the fire. And one of these days, that church is going to raise up a little higher. It's the church triumphant and it's built by the hand of the Lord. And so here we are in 2017, December 2017. And we're wishing one another Merry Christmas. Celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and I just want to point out some things about this season, uh, you know, that there are, there are some distractions during this season. Now, I don't, I'm just going to go through a few little uh, of your favorite Christmas carols here. And I'm not trying to just destroy your favorite Christmas carols. But I want to point out a few things. One of the things that you must understand about the American experience, American, America was, has been ordained of God for two purposes. One, to send missionaries throughout the world, bearing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And America has done that historically. Two, America is to serve as a protection for the nation state of Israel. And if America will fulfill these roles, America will continue to be blessed by God. And so it's very, this, this whole matter of Jerusalem becoming the capital of Israel is very, very, keep your eyes on that because that's, that's very important whether people like it or not. I've been there. Every, everything of a capital nature is happening in Jerusalem. 
There's not one, there's not one governmental activity of a capital nature happening in Tel Aviv. Everything is happening in Jerusalem. That's where the Knesset is. That's where the Supreme Court is. That's where the prime minister's residence is. That's, that's where all government is executed in Israel, in Jerusalem. And so for America to say that we acknowledge that it's it's merely a formality I mean, even though it can trigger some some violent uprisings it's it's merely a formality it's already the capital of Israel whether people like that or not and so America is to serve as a protection for the nation state of Israel and and so it's very important that America recognize that role and not place Israel in some uh, category where it's off by itself or, or, or lumped in with a bunch of other countries. You, you, you can feel the hand of God on that nation when you fly into that nation and you see this little bitty sliver of land surrounded by massive land masses that are controlled by dictators and tyrants, all of whom are sworn to annihilate the people who live in this little sliver of land. And you ask God the question, how in the world are these people surviving? I got down there and saw them throwing frisbees on the beach and having tea. And, 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 and I knew any moment missiles could come raining down onto Tel Aviv. And the Lord began to put into my mind's ear the scripture, Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. My cup of coffee runneth over. I'll sit here and enjoy the afternoon. And if a missile comes in, a missile comes in. Here, go catch the frisbee. And I, and I, I it was amazing to me the, the courage of these people to say, no, this is the land God gave us, and we're not going to go back on it. I, Prime Minister Netanyahu, they asked him for the deed of the land, and he said, this is the deed of the land. You go back 3,000 years. And, and so it's, it's very important to understand that the American experience is intertwined with the nation state of Israel. It is. It's intertwined. As a matter of fact, many of you have heard the term the American dream. The American dream. Uh, the American dream is, a, is, is akin to the idea of there being a promised land, which is a Judeo concept. It is a Hebrew concept. The concept is, is that there is a Messiah coming. The concept is, is that Messiah will bring peace. The concept is that that Messiah will cause the land to ring with freedom and peace and with harmony. And we're getting inklings of that in our American idealism. When you, when you talk about the American dream, the idea that you can prosper freely in a land and live at peace with your neighbor, that is a Judeo-Christian concept. It comes directly from the promises that God gave to Abraham. That I will give you the land upon which your foot falls. And, and, and this is your land that I will give unto you. And my promise is unto you. So we understand then that there is this, this concept that drives the, the whole American experience. And you can see in Jewish writings and in Jewish uh, belief texts that, that there is, it is filled with optimism. Filled with optimism. Uh, there's a, there is a... Uh, a series of songs that have comprised what is called the Great American Songbook. Anybody ever heard of the Great American Songbook? The Great American Songbook was made uh, in the 20th century, kind of around the 1920s. 
teens, 20s, 30s, 40s. And, and it is when America was, it's when some of the most amazing music that defined the American experience was put together. And it was primarily put together by Jewish composers. And you can see the Jewish optimism in their songs. One of the songs that was, that was sung, made famous by Ella Fitzgerald, but written by a Jewish composer, is called Blue Skies. Anybody ever heard Blue Skies? Smiling at me. Don't make me go crooner on you now. I'll, just, I'll do it right now. <laughs> Nothing but blue skies. Maybe I won't do it. I got a little something right in here with this cold weather. They wrote this song right before the stock market crash in 1929. Because there was, there was surging wealth, opulence in the United States of America. And, and they were coming out of World War I. And the idea behind the song was war is over. If you'll remember, the statement was made concerning World War I that World War I was the war to end all wars. It turned out to be a famous last words, but, but uh, it wasn't the war to end all wars. In fact, many wars followed it. But, but, but when they came out of that war time and, and, and life seemed good, they began to say things like, blue skies smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see, bluebirds singing a song, nothing but bluebirds all day long, never saw the sun shining so bright, never saw things going so right, noticing the days hurrying by when you're in love, my, how they fly, blue days, all of them gone, nothing but blue skies from now on. It was the optimism, it was, it was, it was akin to the optimism of looking for a promised land. This was not found in other cultures. This was found uniquely in the Judeo concept of there are promises awaiting us. Now you, you, you come then to the, 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 the influence that the great American songbook had on Christmas. And it had a direct influence on Christmas songs. Some of your favorite Christmas carols were written by uh, Jewish composers who don't, who don't accept Jesus as the Christ. So in their songs, they don't, they don't mention Jesus, which is the central focus of Christmas. But they do describe a serene tranquility. They describe a, a, a community, neighborliness. They describe a warmth of home and family and reuniting. It is the Judeo concept of promises awaiting us. Let me give you one of those songs written by a Jewish composer by the name of Irving Berlin. He wrote it particularly for the soldiers who were engaged in World War II. And it became a smash hit in the uh, early 1940s, Bing Crosby really kind of made it famous. He said, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas, just like the ones I used to know. In fact, we were at a Christmas banquet one time, and somebody got up singing White Christmas, and one of the pastor's wives felt the Holy Ghost while the music was playing and lifted her hands. She started dreaming of a white Christmas right there. It just sounds like a hymn. It just does. It just sounds like a hymn.
But it doesn't mention Jesus. It says, where the treetops glisten and the children listen to hear sleigh bells in the snow. I'm dreaming of a white Christmas with every Christmas card I write. May your days be merry and bright and may all your Christmases be white. And what, what the writer was doing was it, he was... He was putting in the minds of those soldiers that this too shall pass. That there are good days awaiting you. And they, they will come if you'll hold on and never let go. And keep dreaming of a white Christmas. It, it is a concept that Christians are very familiar with because it is a Judeo-Christian concept. Even though Jesus was Im- Im- omitted from the, from the song. Another uh, Christmas carol people like to sing says silver bells silver bells it's Christmas time in the city ring-a-ling ring-a-ling hear them ring ring-a-ling soon it will be Christmas day city sidewalks listen to the community that 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 emanates from these words the community and the and the uh the neighborliness and the, the warmth of friendship, city sidewalks, busy sidewalks, dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. That's talking about peace. That's talking about goodwill toward men. That's, that's talking about loving one's neighbor. There's a feeling of Christmas. Here goes, children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner, you hear silver bells. A reference to the Salvation Army, which, of course, was a Christian institution. But it was written by, again, a Jewish composer who, who, who saw the peace that was being experienced in the Christian's celebration of Jesus coming as Messiah and appreciating that, but not willing to embrace the idea that it comes by way of Jesus. What about this one? I won't sing it. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. You know how bad I want to try that. Jack Frost nipping at your nose. Yuletide carols being sung by a choir. And folks dressed up like Eskimos. Everybody knows a turkey and some mistletoe. Help to make the season bright. Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow will find it hard to sleep. Tonight they know that Santa's on his way. I mean, you can smell the chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And I don't even know what chestnuts smell like when they're roasting on an open fire. I can still smell them. It just feels Christmassy. It says it all. You know that he's loaded lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh. And every mother's child is going to spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly and so i'm offering this simple phrase to kids from one to 92 a reference to the fact that 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 the the child's heart comes alive even at the age of 92 and and christmas does that although it's been said many times many ways merry christmas to you These are the songs that fill our, our radios come Christmas time, and it gives everybody a good feeling. Ladies and gentlemen, I want you to know where that feeling comes from. It comes from that one who was long foretold, that one who has been long awaited. 
It doesn't, it doesn't come by wishing it into existence. It doesn't come by hoping it will happen. It doesn't come by forcing yourself to be nice to your neighbor. There is power that comes from on high that fills the heart of every believer. Hallelujah. It comes from Jesus the Christ. And it will, it'll, it'll turn, it will turn you from being a Grinch or a Scrooge into being a person who loves your neighbor as yourself, who loves, who loves even as Christ has loved you. See, the love of Christ that he gives to us transforms the way we see people and causes us to love them the way God has loved us. It comes through Jesus the Christ. So let me, let me give you songs that were written with understanding concerning where this feeling comes from. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic host proclaim Christ is born in Bethlehem. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Now I'm going to read some verses we don't always read, and I want you to listen to them. Christ by highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. Late in time behold him come, offspring of the virgin's womb. Hail the flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell. Jesus our Emmanuel. Hark the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Hail the heaven born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings risen with healing in his wings. Mild he lays his glory by. Born that no man more may die. Born to raise the sons of earth. Born to give them second birth. That's what Christmas is all about. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. A thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new glorious morn. Fall on your knees. Oh, hear the angels' voices. Oh, night divine. Oh, night when Christ was born. Oh, night divine. Oh, night divine. A thrill of hope. The weary world rejoices. Hallelujah. Joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth, let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. Hallelujah. Joy to the earth, the Savior reigns. Let men their songs employ. While fields and floods and rocks, hills and plains, repeat the sounding joy. Hallelujah. Joy to the world, all the boys and girls. Joy to the people everywhere you see. Joy to you and me. Hallelujah. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful. Oh, come, all ye faithful to Bethlehem. Oh, sing choirs of angels. Sing in exultation. Oh, come, oh, come ye to Bethlehem. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. These are the songs that describe and depict why we experience the peace that comes from the time we call Christmas.
So some would like to have the peace, but they want to have it without the Prince of Peace. You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. You can have a lot of effort at trying to maintain tolerance. You can have a lot of effort at trying to maintain somehow putting up with your brother, with your sister, with your neighbor, but you will never have true peace where the hearts and the minds and the souls of mankind are transformed until you embrace Jesus as the Christ, the only begotten Son of the living God. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Could we love him right now? Could we praise him right now? Could we lift him up right now? Hallelujah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Hallelujah, the one true and living God. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Lord, we praise your holy name. Lord, we praise your holy name. There is none like unto the Lord our God. There is none like unto the Lord our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you go ahead and call out his name, the name of our Lord and Savior. Why don't you go ahead and lift high his holy name, the name of our Lord and Savior. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. 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 Hallelujah. 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 Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. Glory. Hallelujah. When Jesus is not embraced as central figure of our life, then things go awry. We seek in vain for a moment where we have chestnuts roasting on an open fire and the children are at peace with one another and mother and father are at peace with one another and the home is in harmony and life is filled with love and joy and laughter. If Jesus is not the center of that home, that day never arrives. It is just constantly elusive, and we keep looking for it in the dark in vain. And it's not enough just to claim him as your Lord. You have to make him your Lord. He has to be your Lord. Hallelujah. You can't just confess it with your mouth. You have to live it with your life and say, I'm going to make him Lord of all in my life. That means you're going to speak to him when you wake up in the morning. That means you're going to get your directions and your marching orders from him. Lord, what would you have for me to say, and where would you have? for me to go and you're going to pray over your family and you're going to pray over your spouse and you're going to pray over the decisions you make and you're going to be in the house of God hearing his word and letting his word feed you and I'm going to tell you something when you let that happen then 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 you will begin to see city sidewalks busy sidewalks meeting smile after smile if you begin to to let that happen then you will have the warmth that is yearned for in these Christmas songs but it will become less of a fantasy and more of a reality because you've made Jesus the star of the show. You're not looking for some Messiah to come down the road. He's here. He's Lord. He's God of heaven and earth. Let every heart prepare him room. Let earth receive her king. 
joy has come to the world. Hallelujah. Oh, oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful. Oh, come, stop going here and there and everywhere. And come all ye faithful to Bethlehem and see Christ the Lord. Uh, Oh, hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Bless his holy name. This world seeks him and we have him. I want you to know in 2018, we have to be ever more diligent. And ever more consecrated and committed to the great commission of taking the gospel of Jesus Christ into the highways and the byways, into all the world and preaching that gospel. The Christmas song says it like this, go tell it on the mountain. Tell it in the valley, tell it everywhere. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is Lord. Hallelujah. Bless his holy name. Can we stand to our feet right now? And just lift up our praises unto the Lord. Oh, come on, you Yeah. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we praise you. Come on, let's worship him in this house. How many want him to be the Lord of your home? How many want him to be the Lord of your home? Glory to God. Lord, I want you to be Lord of my home. I don't want, I don't want Christmas as the world would have Christmas. I want you to be Lord of my home. I don't want Christmas to be about going into debt. I don't want Christmas to be about fighting over, over, uh, over trying to make the, the schedule work. I don't want Christmas to become about, about competing and having envy over what somebody got and what somebody else didn't get. I want Christmas to be about he saved me. He brought me out. He lifted me. He set me apart. He delivered me. He broke the chains in my mind. He broke the chains off of my soul. He delivered me from the spirit of darkness that had a hold of me. Oh, if you're thankful for it, could you praise him for it? If you're thankful for it, could you praise him for it? Hallelujah. 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 Bless his holy name all across this house. Let's lift up our hands. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. As a sign of surrender to the Lord, let's just lift up our hands. Say, God, you can have your way in my life. You can have your way in my life. You can have your way in my mind, in my spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Let's praise him today. Let's praise him today. Hallelujah. 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 Come, let us adore him. Oh, come, let us adore him. Cry. 